Okay, it says I am live. Uh, but as I went live, I just realized I need to tell Sean. So, Sean, you can hear me. Okay, so I understand that over here to the right in the private chat area, you can send me a message uh, like David did last week. So if there is a question that I need to see, something I need to see, I'll try to be watching it. Okay, yes, yes, all you YouTubers come on here. We, uh, I wanted to get on a little earlier, but yeah. How about this shirt, though? Well, it's a bright shirt, right? Somebody said, uh, this is what I wore at the uh, 70s uh, birthday party, 70th birthday party. And I got a lot of good compliments on it. And they kept saying, where'd you get that shirt? And I said, uh, out of the closet? You know, surely you don't expect me to go to the store. And if I were to buy something at the store without my wife, I would just wind up taking it back because it would be wrong, wrong size, wrong. What are you doing? You know, I, I don't, you know. Uh, I, I, matter of fact, there were some people that gave me some uh, gift cards. Thank you very much. And so uh, several of them were to Tommy Bahamas. So we went to Tommy Bahamas, and uh, here's the way it went. She said, which one of these shirts do you like? And, uh, you know, I said, well, I like this one, I like that one, I like this one. And uh, she knew the right size. Same thing with the pants. Uh, I think it was 35 32, I don't know. She can remember my sizes. It's, it's, it's amazing. I have an amazing wife. And uh, probably a lot of you out there understand that's, you probably also have an amazing wife because women are just amazing. They're amazing. I mean, really, I mean, they're just amazing. Okay, so uh, we have Robert on. Robert, where are you from? Okay, now I see a lot of people coming on. Okay, good evening, good evening. We're going to be studying in Romans, starting in chapter 6 tonight. And we've got some real famous verses that we're going to be covering. So grab your King James Bible, and we're going... Uh, okay, let me let me click. Yeah, okay. All right, I, I see it. Okay, great, great, great. Uh, okay, well... Um, since I've got about six minutes to just kind of chat with my brothers and sisters here for a minute, if you were to say, Stan, what's happening in your world? I would say right now, the thing that I'm most excited about is oil in Israel. I also saw another brother that I'm probably going to be putting his vision on the program. And it's talking about how another big plague is coming our way, and uh, it took me a while to to find it, but I have it in my uh, my dreams and visions uh, that I've written down. Anyway, I, I I had I woke up out of a dream, and the first thing I heard was two men will get on a plane with a virus, and before the plane can land, everyone on board would be dead. This will be the beginning of the end of public air transportation. And I said, I mean, I literally answered out loud. I said, what? And the voice rebuked me. 
and said, you weren't listening, and repeated it. Two men will get on a plane with a virus, and before the plane can land, everyone on board will, will be dead. This will be the beginning of the end of public air transportation. I think I finally figured that out. It's saying that when this next pandemic starts, according to what I just watched from this brother, it's about to be really bad, as in it's going to be like kill like 30 million people in America alone. And once you get it, there's nothing they can do for you. There's there's no shot. There's nothing. Okay, It's just you get it, you're dead. Okay, And uh, but uh, the people that are filled with the Holy Ghost are immune to it. People that are close to Jesus and we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, it didn't bother them at all. Instead, they walked around laying hands on people. And as they laid hands on people, they were instantly healed. And I recall, see, okay, how much time do I have? All right, um, I think I can do it. I made a really, really big mistake. Probably four years ago, Leslie and I, you know, we, we don't have time for these really big vacations or really expensive vacations. So once in a while, we will try to grab a little cheap vacation. And so we grabbed a little cheap vacation where we took a little um, uh, a cruise down to Cozumel, I believe it was. And we got off the boat and we went to the beach. Leslie and I like beaches. And as soon as we got there, we had, uh, you know, we, we claimed our umbrella. We were the, one of the first ones there. And as soon as we did, Leslie put down her bag. And she says, I'm going to the ladies' room. And we had these we bought them years ago, probably 25 years ago, this little pair of binoculars. It's and it, they're, they're a little bitty. And I sat down, and since Leslie walked off, I saw this boat. I mean, it came in at full speed right up next to the dock, and then full speed in, and then a full speed emergency stop. The guy threw the rope around the dock, and then he jumped out. And it was one man trying to heave this woman that looked like she is probably 55 years old up onto the dock. And she just flopped on the dock. And the thought came to me that I should go and pray for her. But I thought, yeah, you know, I don't speak Spanish. This is not my home. This is Cozumel, Mexico. You know, what, what am I doing? I mean, who, 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 who am I to walk out there? And besides, it's a long way out on the dock. I mean, I mean, I just, I couldn't see myself walking out on the dock and this guy is giving her mouth to mouth and pumping on her chest. I mean, I don't know what had happened. And it, 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 the, the thought kept coming to me to go out and pray for her. And I, you know, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to be embarrassed. Uh, you know, I, who am I? Who am I to, you know, I, so I, I told the Lord all kinds of excuses. Bottom line is that lady died right on the dock. And I had my binoculars. And while it was so far out, most people didn't notice what was happening. But with my real powerful binoculars, it was like I was right there. I could see that his chest compressions, um, I mean, her her top of her swimsuit is totally off. He didn't care. You know, he's trying. And there was another guy come running up with a big, uh, like, uh, 
kind of, you call it a, kind of like a toolbox, except for Miss Orange, and he was running as hard and as fast as he could. And he got out to her, and so both of them were working on her. An ambulance came up, and long story short is she didn't make it. And I, 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 I was explaining myself. I was rationalizing. I was maybe making excuses. I was saying, Lord, you know, I mean, I mean, who am I? You know, I, you've never used me like that. I, you know, <laughs> I was trying to bail out of it. He kept speaking to my heart. I should have gone out and prayed for him. But I didn't. Yeah, forget it. But about three to six months later, I'm playing racquetball. And one of the guys comes up and says, hey, man, did you hear about, and I won't mention his name. We'll call him Bill. That's not his name. Hey, did you hear Bill? Uh, you know, I mean, he, he, he had, a, had a heart bypass. I mean, it had a sit put in. That's what a stint put in. I said, no, I didn't. Well, like five minutes later, here the guy is, and he's up here playing racquetball. And I walked over and I said, what happened to you? He said, well, I was kind of feeling dizzy, so I went by my son-in-law, and he's a, a fireman at a fire department. And so I walked in, and they hooked me up to this machine, and they said, you need to go and see a doctor. He said, okay, I'll, you know, it's Friday. I'll go and see a doctor Monday. He said, no, you don't understand. We are driving you to the emergency room right now. He said, 45 minutes after I hit the curb, I had three stents in my heart. And I said, and what are you doing here? He said, well, they, they did tell me that I should take it easy for about six weeks. So I'm just down here kind of hitting the ball around. Uh, bad idea. Bad idea. This can tie together here in just a second. And so I went in playing. So I come out of a game, and this guy, he's playing a full game of racquetball. There's like 48 hours after he has three stints put in. I thought, man, this is not good. That was a Friday. No, excuse me, that was a Thursday. So then the following Monday, I had a racquetball lesson. lesson. I was taking racquetball lessons from the little kid, 20 years old, but he was number five in the world. That was fantastic. Anyway. So I was at the front of the room, or the front of the, the court, and then he says, man, something's going on out here. So, I mean, I, before I even turned around, I knew it was Bill. So I walked back, I looked, and this guy's laying on his back outside of a court, the same guy, the guy that had the three stents put in. His eyes are bugging out. Mm -hmm. His tongue's like that. I mean, and his feet are up off the ground. His hands are like this, and he's just shaking. I'm thinking, I, so I, I said, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. I turned to somebody. I said, call 911. And they said, they're on the way. So, you know, I, you know, I'm not a medical professional. So about that time, this muscle guy walks up, and he starts giving him chest compressions. Well, I could see, you know, his tongue sticking out like that. It was like it was, like it was swollen at least twice the size. There's no way he could breathe out of his mouth. So I put my finger down his throat and pulled his tongue out of the way. But just that's all it was coming out. Because, how do I say this? He wasn't breathing. It's just that as the guy was compressing his chest, a little bit of air was moving in and out. He wasn't really breathing. And I mean, 
this, this muscle guy, it wore him out. And then about this other time, he, he gave up and this other woman took over giving chest compressions. And she says, I'm a nurse. I'll take over. So that was fine by him. He was worn out anyway. And so I'm holding his tongue back. They're giving him chest compressions. Then they come up with one of these things about the size of a, a small suitcase and it's yellow. And they said, well, you got to put this patch here. You got to put this patch here. And then you push this button. It charges up and it shocks him. We got shocked twice. And I said, where is the, the, the ambulance? Where's the ambulance? They said, they're on the way. I said, they stopped at McDonald's to get them a hamburger on the way. Where are they? You know, finally, the, the nurse wore out and then the muscle guy took over giving chest compressions again. I'm still holding his tongue open, but he's not breathing. He didn't have any pulse. I mean, he was gone. Finally, the woman just stops. And she just sets back. The muscle guy didn't take over. They're just stopped. And there's no ambulance there. So at that, I pulled my, my finger out of his mouth. I mean, I you know what to do. I'm not a medical professional. And everybody just stopped. And it was probably 15 people standing around him, looking down at the situation. I'm on my knees next to him. And I thought, you know what? He would want me to do this. I know he's a Christian. So very quietly, I just laid my hands on him. And I said, Lord, bring him back in Jesus. But I didn't get to the word name. As soon as I said Jesus, he went, ah. all of a sudden he takes this real, <coughs> real big, deep breath. His eyes start blinking like this. I said, he's alive. He's alive. And I put my hand, you know, you can, you can feel. He, I said, he has pulse. He has pulse. I mean, all of a sudden he was back. And I'll tell you, I saw, I saw the power of the name of Jesus. I saw the power of the name of Jesus. Ambulance arrived later and I went to see him in the hospital the uh, next day and he didn't remember anything. He said, all I remember is I started getting dizzy and I thought, well, I better lay down. He said, next thing I know, they're asking me, you know, how to get a hold of my wife or something like that. It was the, the paramedics there. Well, I said, anything happened? No. Do you see anything? <laughs> no. <laughs> so I put, I've, I've, I've been through this. I can't tell you how many times. And I think that the dock incident in Cancun with the lady who was 55, I think I was supposed to go out and pray for her. And I think that what God was doing was showing me how he wants to use me and you in the days ahead. As this trouble we've been talking about hits, just like Coverstone was told in his dreams, that people that have a clean life, that know who they are in Jesus, know their power and authority, you know they have power over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and that includes any kind of virus or anything else. Um, thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth the noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at the right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Now, 
I'm seven minutes past time, but let me make my point. I think that God did that to show me the power of his name. What me? One word, Jesus. I didn't get the word name. I said, in the name of, (laughs) as soon as I said Jesus, this guy took a big breath. I think he showed me that because he wants to use me in miracles. And I think he nudged my heart, as you saw. I mean, you back up and you watch this. I certainly wasn't planning on talking about this. But as this trouble hits, and if you watch the program, about the last three programs, it apparently has a high probability of hitting in the next 12 months. As this trouble hits, it's going to be time for us to go to work. Time for us to use the name, the name above all name, the name of Jesus. We are going to be supernaturally protected and provided for. While it's going to be the worst days of our life, it's going to be the best days of our life. The worst days of our life in terms of physical, but it's going to be some of the best days of our life in terms of walking in the Spirit. I told you, August the 8th, 2015, Saturday night. Lord, I don't have anything to say for the sermon tomorrow morning. What do you want me to say? I've said this many times. I promise. I promise. I promise. I'm telling the truth. I heard words. I said, this is the time of miracles. As the judgment hits, so are my miracles. Miracles like no one has seen, going all the way back to Adam and Eve. You tell them, I will never leave them nor forsake them. And I'm going to meet the devil in trench step for step, pound for pound, everything he does, I'm going to meet him. Now, I mean, I think all of this, here's my point. I think us being in this Bible study here tonight, it's not an accident, it's not on purpose. God is getting us ready. And and this this part we're going to read tonight is if we want to be used in miracles, the way to get used in miracles is not reading and studying about miracles. The way to to get used in miracles is having a clean heart. And that's what this Romans, starting in Romans 6 and 7 and 8, is talking about. Having a clean heart. And I think I know you. And I I mean, the reason I say this is because nobody could sit and listen to this kind of stuff Prophecy Club puts out unless they have the right heart. And so I know, I know you're a watchman. I know that you're called of the Lord to serve him. I know that. Now, the question is, do you know that? Because you should know that. And all of this is preparation. The greatest spiritual days lie ahead of us. I think that oil in Israel is going to be huge. I think that there's a very real possibility that when we go to Israel, and I have to give that disclaimer, cannot guarantee we're ever going to get money hit, drilled for, or hit oil in Israel. Okay, But when we get over there and when we hit oil in Israel, I don't think it's going to be a little podunk well. I think it's going to be high-pressure well. And I think it's going to begin to dry the wells of the surrounding nations. And that is the hook in the jaw. Read Ezekiel 38, verse 4 which would draw the Russians and all of her other evil people down to attack Israel. 
And that is where Jesus is going to return and spill their blood outside the wine fats where they spilled his blood. And he is going to get his vengeance. Oil in Israel is talked about in 33 different verses. Matter of fact, I think he's laid on my heart to write a book because I, I have so many things that I can't release yet. Um, and so I'm thinking of writing a book and I won't even take it to the publisher until it's the right time. And that would mean that we have a hit oil, but also that we have the property there in Israel that we want. But there'll be a time that it'll be important for the world and also the Jews to hear how God selected a normal pastor from Dallas, Texas, to go to Israel to find the prophesied oil that was promised to Moses when he is told to take his shoes off in front of the burning bush, get you up, I'm sending you in a land that flows with milk and honey. Milk is new as natural gas. Honey is yellow-colored crude oil, as I already showed you here a few weeks ago. So... <clears throat> Some of the greatest days lie ahead of us. Now, as we're going into this Bible study tonight, it's real serious. If we want to be used, I'm, you know, you know look, 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 wait, let me change your attitude on a couple of things. I don't think the right attitude is just trying to get to heaven. I don't think the right attitude is trying to live a long life. <laughs> I think the attitude should be to get as many people to heaven as possible. And I think our goal should be to serve the Lord, to do whatever, whenever, however, he tells us to do it. Uh, myself, I'm hidden Christ. He bought and paid for me and he paid too much. And so for the rest of my life, I will spend my life trying to pay him back and I'll never be able to pay him back. I start getting emotional if I start talking about that. If uh, almost every night when I fall to my knees in my prayer closet to worship God, I almost always start with thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He has been so good to me. He wrote my name in the book of life from the foundation of the world. If that weren't enough, he came and got me several times. If that weren't enough, he allowed me to serve his people with ministries, Prophecy Club, Spirit of Prophecy Church. If that weren't enough, now he's handed me prophetic oil and then Joseph Kitchen. I mean, I can never repay. So my life is hidden Christ. I pray often, Lord, give me the privilege of giving my life to glorify your name. Okay, so wow, I really got way off track. I certainly didn't intend to say all of this. Okay, so it's time to start our Bible study. Okay, so hold on. Hold on. Got to be able to read. Okay. That's another thing. I used to not be very emotional. Not until I memorized the book of Revelation. And something changed. 
uh, there wasn't a moment. It's just that two big changes in my life. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and when I memorized the book of Revelation, both of them were life-changing experiences. Okay. Enough about me. All I'm saying is, brothers and sisters, what we do here tonight, this is serious business. We are preparing to serve the prince of the kings of the earth, the Lamb of God, and we're preparing to send as many people to the marriage supper as possible. And when we get there, we want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We want to see Jesus brought before the Ancient of Days. We want to see him given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is that which shall not be destroyed, that all people, nations, and languages shall serve and obey him. We want to be there to see him to change from prince of the kings of the earth to king of kings and lord of lords, to see him change from become the lamb of God to become the lion of the tribe of Judah. We want to see him crowned king of kings and lord of lords. Then, as king of kings and lord of lords, he comes forth for about four months at the marriage supper of the lamb, and he serves us. And you'd say, why would he serve us? You remember when they were uh, washing each other's feet? Peter said, no, 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 you'll never wash my feet. He said, then you have no place with me. In other words, in the kingdom of God, what we do is serve others. Because when we are in our glorified body, God wipes away all tears from our eyes. We shall, there shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying, no pain. Now there shall be any more pain for the former things have passed away. A new heaven, a new earth. And Isaiah 65 says, the old heaven and the old earth will not be heard of or come to mind ever, ever again. Okay, so let's pray and get started the Bible study. Wow. <laughs> I'm 18 minutes late. Okay, here we go. First of all, Lord, <clears throat> we worship you. And we say, great and marvelous are the works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee when thy judgments are made manifest. Wisdom and might are yours. You change the times and seasons. You remove the kings and setteth up kings. You giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. You revealeth the deep and secret things, and you knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with you. You did say that wherever two or more agree is, as uh, or two or more gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. And Lord, there are more than two gathered together tonight. Though we be spread across the globe, we're here together in the spirit. And Lord, I ask you to open our eyes that we may see. Speak to our heart and give us revelations so that we can see, know, and understand what you wrote and that it would speak to us and the things in our body, in our spirit, in our life that we need to change. Give us the strength to change them and the wisdom to know what needs to be changed. Show us the deep and secret things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so here we go. Oh, let's see. Uh, okay, 79, one place and 26, another place. Okay, that's pretty good. Okay. All right. Okay, okay, okay. Now we click 
here and here and here and here. And you can see, oh, that's not what we want. We want this guy. <clears throat> now, so we're in Romans 6. Okay, We've got some really famous verses we're going to be reading tonight. So uh, hopefully you have your Bible, your paper Bible there, uh, which, by the way, I got two paper Bibles for my birthday. Actually, leather covered that, and uh, that, uh, it almost made me cry. I mean, I, I absolutely love them. Here, I've got one right here. That's my <laughs> my uh, bookmark there. Okay, so anyway, it's it's. Uh, I don't know if you can see it. It's very, very, very nice. Thank you very much. <clears throat> anyway, all right. So, Romans chapter six, verse one. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? In other words, he's saying, if you're calling yourself a Christian, I mean, you know, they call themselves Buddhas because they follow the teachings of Buddha. But people call themselves Christian that don't live like a Christian. They don't follow the teachings of Jesus. But what he's saying is we should be following those teachings. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live, and live longer therein? In other words, saying, come out of the sin. You know not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. What? Okay. In other words, when we accepted Jesus, we also accepted saying, I'm going to follow you and your laws. And when we were baptized, it was basically saying before the Lord that we're dying to self and we've decided to live a new life like Jesus. That's what he's saying. Therefore, we are buried with him in baptism unto death. So when we were dunked, holy dunked, that's why you don't sprinkle somebody, holy dunked, it was dying to what we want and saying, I'm going to live my life for Christ. Therefore, we were buried with him in baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. In other words, when we accept Jesus, we ought to lose some words. We ought to lose some friends. We ought to lose some habits. We ought to be losing some sinful things we did. And we should be walking in the newness of life. For if we have planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we want to go to heaven, but we want to live like the devil when we're down here. Now, I know I'm probably not talking to anybody on this Zoom meeting right here right now. Because if you're on this, you're probably a pretty good Christian. You're probably already living a pretty clean life. But we need to hear it again. We need to double our efforts. We need to look in our heart and say, okay, now am I living right before Christ? For if we, if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, and we were, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Well, we want to be in the resurrection. That means we also have to be in death to ourselves. Self is dead, right? Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, the old man of sin, 
the one that cussed, the ones that drank, ran around, caroused, got all the things we used to do, right? We walked away from that. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. You see, before Christ came, apparently, the Bible does not ever say this in place I've seen anyway, before Jesus came, sin pretty much got its way with most everybody on earth. Very few people could escape it. But then through Jesus, it was then easy to escape. But the problem is, like the sow returns to the mud, like the dog returns to the vomit. In other words, when we walk away from that life, we need to walk away. And if you want to be part of the miracles, if you don't want to be on some gurney with them pulling a white sheet over you in the next pandemic, then you have to clean up your life now. Now, I believe I'm probably talking to most people. I'm probably talking to the choir. I understand that. But nevertheless, we have to take a look in our heart and say, is there anything I need to change? Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. We don't have to sin anymore. Apparently, before Jesus, they pretty much had to. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, that doesn't mean your heart's not beating. That means that we don't live our life the way we want to. We follow Jesus. We live our life the way Jesus teaches us to. In other words, we're dead to self. Stand died. Have you died? Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. That's what we want to do. We want we want to stand dead. You see, we want ourselves dead. And we want to walk like Jesus. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. What it means is that if you believe on Jesus, then you will never die. The scriptures say that too. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. Meaning, when Jesus died on that cross, only had to die once, but he removed all of the sins of all of the people that will receive that sacrifice. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God, and we can live with him with God. Likewise, reckon ye also ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. So, we've died to sin. Okay, that means that we don't sin. We don't do those things anymore. We don't do that drinking, carousing, the other things we used to do. We don't do that anymore, okay? Lying, cheating, cursing. Likewise, reckon all yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body. Here's the way we say that. Stop sinning. <laughs> Stop sinning. Let not sin reign. Lost my place here. Neither your members instrument. Okay, here, no. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should not obey it in the lust thereof. In other words, we don't do the things that we want to do. And, you know, there's a lot of things out there. It's like the devil knows the, the areas that we've stepped across. He knows the things we've stepped in. And like, for example, myself, now, I never took drugs. 
I never smoked any marijuana, never did anything like that. So to me, marijuana and drugs don't even exist. No one ever comes up to me and offers me drugs. I, 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 I can't, I can't remember maybe more than once in my life ever smelling marijuana. Now, I know a lot of you people saying, really? Because it's presented to me all the time. Well, that's because the devil knows what you stepped in, and he's trying to get you to step in it again, you see. And so he's presenting. He's, he's putting it underneath your nose. Oh, doesn't that smell good? Oh, didn't that feel good? Wasn't that good? Don't you want to do that again, you see? You know what I'm talking about, right? Yes, you do. I know that you do because I do too. <laughs> Neither yield your members. In other words, don't do those things again. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Okay, what's he talking about members? <laughs> it is drinking, carousing, you know, all the things that the flesh does. I remember my mom said, well, son, there is pleasures in the flesh, but that doesn't mean we do it. We don't do it. Look, if we're a Christian, we don't do what we want to do anymore because the old man, the old woman is dead. Okay. Dead, 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 dead to sin. We don't do those things anymore. 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? In other words, just because we can ask Jesus to forgive us. That means we can just go ahead and sin, 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 and just keep asking for forgiveness. He says, God forbid, don't do that. Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves serpents to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Now, what? Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey. In other words, if you used to smoke dope, then you are a servant to dope. That means you got to stay away from it. If you used to take pills, you used to take shots, you used to run around, you know, uh, drink, whatever it is, you know, the devil, there's all kinds of hooks. He's saying, know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants, you are to obey, you obey. He's saying, once you've stepped in it, devil's going to keep it under your nose all the time, trying to get you to step in it again. Don't do it. That's what he's saying. Don't do it. But God be thanked that ye were, were the servants of sin. In other words, we used to sin, but now we don't do that anymore. Because if we sin, it's not just that we disappoint him. It's not just that we're probably not going to go to heaven at some point in there. But you and I, we're not even looking towards that. What we're looking for is we want to be used in the time ahead. We want to be there during the sports stadiums. We want to be there praying for people. We want to lay hands on people. We want to see those people healed. We want to be, well, you can't do that if you're walking around in sin. And you can't wait until, oh, well, you know, when, when, when the judgment starts, then I'll clean up. No. Doesn't work like that. We got to be walking clean before it hits. But be God, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, 
but he have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. What's that saying? It's saying you used to sin, but we don't do that anymore. We cleaned up our life. We don't do that anymore. Be made then free from sin. See, that's one thing no other religion can truly offer their people. We, as Christians, through the blood of Christ, can truly offer people a new start. We can truly offer them a chance to start over, a chance to get their sins washed away, and a chance to clean up their life, being made then free from sin. Okay, In other words, when we accept Jesus, we are free from sin. We don't have to sin anymore. You became the servants of righteousness. So we're not the servants of sin anymore. We're the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. Infirmity. What he's saying is, I, I'm talking to you like a man because you're so weak in the flesh. Well, now, I want to believe that the Christians today with the whole Bible, you know, these guys didn't have the whole Bible then. You know, this is Romans. They had just come out of Acts. They didn't have, uh, they had Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but they didn't have things like Philippians, and they certainly didn't have Revelation. Uh, So they didn't have the whole word at this point. It was still coming. We have it, though. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh or the weakness of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. It's another way of saying don't do those things anymore. Instead, become a servant of righteousness. Serve the Lord. Do the things that he wants us to do. So, for when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Uh, in other words, people, uh, do you remember the time? Do you remember the time in your life when you sinned and enjoyed it? <laughs> no, 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 we've never done that. Oh, yes, you have. Yes, you have. I have too. What he's saying is, not anymore. Instead, we're supposed to enjoy living a righteous life. For what fruit had you then in those things whereof you're now ashamed? We should be ashamed. I mean, I'm ashamed. I mean, I'm so glad that the blood of Jesus has washed my sins away. I would be so embarrassed to know that one person knew some of the things that I had done. And I think I'm talking about you too. Because all we like sheep have gone astray. And everyone has gone his own way. Every one of us sinned. Every one of us has made a mistake. Uh, And I don't know about you, but, you know, at a guy's 70, the devil is constantly bringing up things to mind stupid things I've done. My guess is he's probably doing the same thing to you. He constantly reminds us of what we've done wrong in the past. So I'll just remind him, yeah, but you're going to the pit of fire that burns with brimstone. You're going to be falling helplessly and endlessly for a thousand years in the bottomless pit. Okay? 
So yeah, we've done wrong, but we've got the blood of Jesus. So let's go ahead. So what fruit had you then in those things wherever you are now shamed? For the end of those things, those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants of, to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Because we've accepted Jesus, because we've had our sins washed away, we get to live eternally. Again, Isaiah 65 says, it will not come to here. I'll tell you what. Do I have that? Do I have that handy? No, I take too much time. Uh, it is Isaiah 65 says anyway. Oh, wait, wait, maybe I have it here. I was just reading it. No, I was over reading something else. Okay, so let's go ahead. So now being made free to uh, verse 22 and become service to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end is everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. That's a memory verse. You should have that memorized when you're trying to lead someone to the Lord. Now, chapter 7, verse 1. Let me jump down here. Know you not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath a husband is bound under the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then if, while her husband liveth, she be married to another, she should be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Whereof, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who raised him from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. What's he saying? He's not trying to talk about the laws of when to get married and when not to be married and adulterous. He's trying to say that when we were with Christ, we were Christ's and we should not walk away. Okay, that's what he's trying to say. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. So we were sinning and it was going to continue until Jesus washed it away. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. But shall we then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. Okay, let's see. What does concupiscence mean? One of the things I like about this program is I can push this. Desire, craving, longing, desire, what is forbidden. In, in <laughs> I guess you can hear the dog barking in the background, but we will go on. Okay, but sin taking occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Meaning, once we come to the light, once we've asked Jesus to forgive our sins, we should not walk away. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. 
for sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that I might appear sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me, that which is good, that by that sin, by the commandment, might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual. Hang on. We'll make a point here in a second. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I love this part. For that which I do, I allow not. What's Paul saying? He's saying, I want to do the right thing, but I don't do it. <laughs> and the very thing I don't want to do, that's the thing I do. That's what he's about to say here. These are famous, these are memorization scriptures here. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. In other words, I, even, even Paul said, I find it very difficult to do the right thing. I don't do the right thing. I know not to do that, but I do it anyway. That's why we have to continually ask for strength not to sin and continually ask for our sins to be forgiven. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin. That which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I, but what I hate, that I do. If then I do that, which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. <laughs> so he's doing the wrong thing. Now then it is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So like when they say the devil made me do it, well, that's partly true, but we had to agree to it. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. What? Oh, I'll read it again. For the good that I would I do not. In other words, the, the good I want to do, I don't do it. But the evil, which I would not, that I do. In other words, the things that are good that I want to do, I don't do them. Things that are bad, I know I should not do, I do them. So Paul understood he was in this world too, fighting the same devil we are. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. What? What? See, this is why we have a Bible study, so we can talk about it, so we can understand it, because most people just reading this, especially the first time, their eyes would cross and they'd say, I don't understand this. 22, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. In other words, what God has put in our heart, he delights in that. We should delight in that. That's good. But I see another law in my members. See, because when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, this is the way I understand it, this is the way I explain it. When they ate of the fruit, sin entered in. It's kind of like they got a virus, except for the virus is you can't kill it with a pill or an injection. 
instead, the only thing that kills that is the blood of Jesus. And that sin or that virus that entered in is passed down through the bloodline for generations until we accept Jesus. When we accept Jesus, it kills that virus. But the problem is the virus is still trying to get back in all the time. That sin is always trying to get back in. That's why he says we war with the members. We war with, so it's a battle inside of ourselves. We've got to win that battle, especially if we want to serve him. We've got to win that battle. But I see another law of my members. In other words, I see inside me, this is not what I want to do. I, don't, I want to do right, but I don't do right. And the thing I don't want to do, that's what I do. I see another law of my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity, the law of sin, which is in my members. So he's saying, I still got the virus. I still got the bug. It's dead, but it's always trying to come back to life. Oh, wretched man that I am, who should deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that when the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. In other words, I don't do what I know I should do. Very true. There is therefore, here's another famous memory verse. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Who? Don't forget that word. It's not a period there, it's a comma. Who? Walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Notice what it did not say. It did not say there is now for, now there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, period. It didn't say that. It says there's now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Meaning, if we follow Jesus, we walk in like him, talk like him, and nobody can. But if we can, then we're walking in the spirit, we're not in the flesh, and no one can condemn us. In other words, we're not breaking any law on the planet. That is, until the last days when the mark of the beast comes out, and things like that. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Jesus killed the virus, but the devil is always trying to bring it back. Okay, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. What? That's, these are famous verses. Got to get them. For what the law could not do. In other words, the Ten Commandments, what he's talking about there. So God gave us the Ten Commandments, but we couldn't follow them, see? For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, we just couldn't follow them. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. That's what we're supposed to be doing. I agree it's not easy. I mean, you know, I, like the sign I saw in front of a church one time, says, try Jesus. If you don't like him, the devil will always take you back. <laughs> try Jesus. If you don't like him, the devil will always take you back. That's kind of what that's saying, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. 
But they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Uh, let me give you an example. I was raised on 1970s music. And for my 70th birthday party here a couple of weeks ago, they were playing 70s music. So I was listening back on that 70s music. I mean, because the whole thing was 70s, you know. Leslie asked people to come dressed like they were in the 70s and she had 70s memorabilia. Like even they had candy, the kind of candy people would were eating in the 70s. Remember like Biddle Honey? Remember that? Remember this straw with this stuff that was kind of like Kool-Aid in it? Remember that? Uh, most younger folks probably don't, but it was all talking about 70s. So I had to listen to yeah, a couple of hours of this 70s music. And there was a few of them. I thought, man, I remember. I really like that. I really like that song. But then I started listening to the words. It was like, how, how is it I didn't hear that? How, I, how is it I didn't understand what that song was saying? Oh, my goodness. I mean, I could take some of those songs and show you the lyrics. I could bring a pretty, pretty good sermon against don't do what's in that song. And it's almost like the melody is so good, it carries the words with it. And you get the words because you like the melody. It's kind of like you go to a movie and, oh, I, I, okay, here, good example. Okay, so we have that thing called, uh, can you see it here? Alexa. But if I can get it where you can see it here, we don't ever plug it in. The only time we plug it in is when the grandchildren over here we could tell it to play <laughs> go to sleep music for the grandchildren or something like that. But so I plugged it in uh, the other morning and I was getting in the shower and the only thing I could think of was Black Sabbath. I know, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> so I said, play Black Sabbath. And sure enough, one of the first songs came on was Iron Man. I thought, okay, you know, this is, you know, this is not bad, is it? Iron Man, I have Iron Man. And then the words came on. I said, immediately, Alexa, stop. <laughs> so then I put on some, some good Christian music. But the, the point is, a melody can carry a bad message. A movie can carry a bad message. A friend can carry a bad message. So let's go back to what he's saying. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned the sin of the flesh, that the righteousness of the law may be fulfilled in us who ought not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So we've got to recognize when it's time to turn the TV off, when it's time to walk out of some situation, walk away or turn the ear, turn the eyes. Uh, I, you know, there, there, there's, there's I, I call them hooks. There's hooks everywhere. 
I go play racquetball and I see hooks up there. Um, that's all I need to say. I drive around, I see hooks. I turn on TV, I see hooks. Um, there, in other words, the devil is always trying to reach out and hook you, trying to get you back in. What this is saying is don't walk after the flesh. Walk after the spirit. Don't walk after what we want to do. Walk after what we're supposed to do. I know it's easier said than done. It's not necessarily easy. But then I don't know an easy way to live forever. And that's what Jesus is offering us here. I'll read that scripture again. This is a real famous one. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. We ought to look Christian. We ought to act Christian. We ought to walk Christian. We ought to talk Christian. We ought to see Christian. You know, hear no evil, see no evil, no speak no evil. That the way we're not supposed to do that. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. I recall, oh, here just recently. Uh, as a matter of fact, I went, again, I told you, I went to another level when I memorized the book of Revelation. And ever since then, there are even some movies that I will run across. Maybe the wife wants to watch a movie or something. I, 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 can't, I can't watch it, even though I've watched that movie before and it looked good before. It's not good now. Um, I have a rule. If the movie has an F-bomb in it, we got to go. We can't walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. In other words, there's some movies that I used to watch that didn't bother me, that now I can't watch them. I tell us, I, I can't watch this. I can't watch it. I can't watch it. I, I, I can't watch it. For to be carnally minded, that's what it is. They're carnally minded. They're flesh minded. They're worldly. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Because the carnal mind or the flesh mind or the worldly mind, because the carnal mind is enmity, that means at war or opposite of God. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not, that's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. There's another scripture that says that, how's it worded? If we don't love God and the things of God, the love of the Father is not in us. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind, the flesh mind, the world mind is enmity, it's at war, it's exactly opposite of God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. I better read that one again. Jump up. So then, they that are in the flesh, they that are in the world, walk like the world. Have you ever met somebody? They, they, oh, oh, here, let me, let me tell you. So I walked into Batteries Plus and uh, had to get a new battery for one of our battery backups for our computers. And uh, I mean, like the third word this guy said was the F-bomb. I didn't say anything. 
you know, I just went on telling them, okay, these batteries are bad. I need to, you got a new battery. Yeah, yeah, okay, I got them right here. And there came another F-bomb. About, I think it was like three F-bombs in four sentences. Didn't say anything. And I said, well, I've got a nonprofit account here. Can you pull it up? He said, sure. What's the name of it? Spirit of Prophecy Church. And you could just see him go pale. <laughs> see, because sinners don't bother the Christians. It's the Christians that bother the sinners. Because just telling, just saying Spirit of Prophecy Church, he was already convicted. So I went ahead and bought the batteries. I put the credit card in, blah, da, 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 da. So I'm walking out. What do you say? God bless you. <laughs> so then that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But we, ye, are not in the flesh. We're not in the flesh. We don't live in the flesh. We don't walk in the flesh. We don't talk in the flesh. Uh, I may I also add, that means we don't put things like tattoos on us. We don't wear things, ladies, that are skin tight, look like they're put on with a spray gun, trying to get the eye of some boy after us, okay? Uh, and by the way, that means also, in other words, we should, we should not be a hook, not trying to lure the opposite sex. So then that they are in the flesh cannot please God, for we are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So if so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. A lot of people like that. And you know, it's the reason you try to talk to people going to the church or invite them to church, nah. Talk to them about, hey, you need to listen to Prophecy Club, nah. But there's a shaking coming. There's going to be a lot of people saved in the shaking, but there's also going to be a lot of people lost in the shaking. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead. What? If Christ be in you, Stan is dead. And what you should do is put your name there, you see. If Christ be in you, in other words, then our will and the things that we want are dead. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or bring your mortal light of your bodies to life, to eternal life, by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Now let me read that again. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead Dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead, which was Christ. He says, no one takes my life. I lay my life down and I take it up. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, but to live after the flesh. If you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, that means you stands dead, okay? You're dead, right? We live our life hid in Christ. If we live after the flesh, we shall die. But if we live in the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For many, as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That's what we are. We're sons of God. And by that, we have certain power. Jesus has given us power and authority over all serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, 
but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Worthy is the Lamb to take the book and to open the seals thereof. Because he was slain, has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests. So yeah, we're his friend, but one of these days we're going to be a king or a priest. Okay, on to the next one. So the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And of children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. What? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Nobody told me I had to suffer for Christ. Well, then you should have been reading the King James Bible. I don't know what Bible you've been reading, but it sure does it. So if we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Meaning, whatever we have to go through here on earth, it's all going to be worth it. There's a scripture that says that God will not put us through anything that we are not able to handle that with that, he will also make a way of escape. I remember one night in my prayer closet, I was praying. I said, Lord, you know, Dimitri had all these angels come to him, and you showed him all these dreams and visions, all these wonderful, powerful things, and I assume he got to see all that stuff because he was tortured. And I said, you know, I, I, I live in a free country, and, you know, they don't, they don't torture Christians in my country, so I don't have the opportunity to do that, so... You know, I mean, so, but, but I'd still like to have dreams and visions and angel visions of some of the things like he had, and he spoke to me. He said, you couldn't handle it. In other words, I couldn't handle, I couldn't handle some of the tortures that Dimitri went through. Then he brought to mind how one time I was playing racquetball, and after the rally was over, the ball was flying through the air, and I reached up to grab the ball, and I grabbed the ball. But also, some guy, the, rack, the rally was over. He shouldn't have been swinging. But he swung to hit the ball. He hit the back of my hand, and I knew immediately. I, I, I know that I have a low threshold of pain. I mean, if I just get a little bit of pain, I flat pass out. When he hit me, I knew that I was going to pass out. So I immediately walked out. I didn't sit down. I laid down on the floor outside the racquetball court. And in that particular case, I didn't pass out. But I didn't pass out because I laid down. Uh, there's been other occasions where, I mean, I just get a little bit of pain. And, I mean, I clock right out. So he doesn't put us into sufferings we can't handle. But we need to be prepared to suffer for his name. I think I've told that story, so I'm going to keep going. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature, manifestation of the sons of God, that's when Jesus returns. He blows his glory down. That's the morning star. And as it hits us, we 
get a glorified body. Out of our belly flows rivers of living water, and we instantly enter into eternity. We come out of time, we go into eternity, and from that time, we never hunger again, thirst again, never die again, we never hurt again. And he that overcometh, I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, write upon him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from God, and I write upon him my new name. That's one of the things I want. Also want to be an overcomer. Also he that overcometh and keepeth my works to the end. The same will I give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. And as the vessels of the potter, they should be broken to shivers. Even as I received of my father. And I will give him the morning star. That's the morning star. That's what we're talking about. Matter of fact, let, let me make a note here. And I'll just come back to this. Let's see. We're at Romans 8, 16. Okay. Okay. Let's jump here. Let me show you a couple of things here. Okay, let's go to, this is, uh, Jesus says, I sent my angel to testify these things in the churches. I'm the root and the offspring of David and the bright, bright and morning star. So Jesus is the bright morning star. However, in this case, he that overcometh, keeping my works to the end. Well, I just quoted that to you. He shall rule the rod of iron. As a potter, they be broken to shivers, even I received from my father, and I'll give him the morning star. So here, Jesus is the bright morning star, but here he can and will give some that are overcomers and keep his works at the end, the morning star. Then I will give power to my two witnesses. They shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. If any man hurt them, fire here is. This is the morning star. Fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These shall have, well, of course, the, the point is that that's the morning star. Here's another example. There came a man, now this is back in the Old Testament. There came a man um, to Elijah and said, is the king going to be healed? And Elijah said, no, he's not. And said, you send this message to him. He says, because there, he's, he's not getting an answer from God because there's not a God in Israel. Instead, he is seeking after Beelzebub, the God of Ekron. So Elijah says, therefore, you go tell the king that he shall not come down from the bed on which he is on, but shall surely die. The king didn't like the prophecy. So he sent a captain of 50 with 50 other men. And he sent them to Elijah. Elijah says, here, let me scroll up a little. Elijah says, if I be a man of God, then let fire, that's the morning star, come down from heaven and consume thee and the 50. And there came down fire from heaven and consumed him and the 50. Then he sent another one. This is a second set, captain of 50 with his 50 to Elijah to take him to kill him because he didn't prophesy good things to the king. If I be a man of God, let fire from heaven consume thee and thy fifty. And the fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. Again, this is the third time he sends a captive, a third fifty and his fifty. He, and this guy comes, he says, whoa, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. I pray, let my life, the life of these fifty of my servants be precious in thy sight. And so consequently, therefore, let my life be precious in thy sight. So here's what happened. The angel of the Lord said to Elijah, go down, be not afraid of him. And he arose and went down with him to be with the king. 
that's the morning star. Now, let me go back to where we were. Let's see, Romans 8. Okay. So the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we, we are the children of God and of children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So if be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together with him. So he's saying suffering for Jesus is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Um, I've heard it told that people, if you read the book, Fox's Book of Martyrs, that people back in the old days that were burned at the stake, Christians, that they would light the fire underneath them and they were praising Jesus and singing songs of praise as the fire came. As the fire burned up and burned the knots and their hands went free, they lifted their hands, praising the Lord. And you could tell, Fox's Book of Martyrs says, they weren't feeling any pain. In Revelation, it says, my faithful martyr, martyr Antipas, if you look that up, how did Antipas die? Antipas, the king, made a bronze statue of a bull. You remember when Moses just came down off of the mountain, he had the Ten Commandments. He looked down, and they had made themselves a molten calf molten out of gold and that calf was Moloch or Baal later in the scriptures call it Baal so this king put Antipas in this bronze bull or Baal and burned him alive for the name of Jesus my guess is that Antipas never felt any pain they say that it's one of the blessings of being a martyr that when you die for Jesus, you don't feel any pain. Uh, Ken Peters said that he was lived through the, he had a dream like 40 years ago. He's gone to be with the Lord now. About 40 years ago, had a dream that I was called to be a prophet. And in the dream, he lived through the first three and a half years of the tribulation, had many awesome things to say, which by the way, if you'll order the book, Miss the Mark, his testimony is in that book. Missed the mark at prophecyclub.com. Anyway, till he was finally beheaded. And he said he was standing in line. People would go walking up and down the line and say, peace, joy, happiness, a dry, nice bed to sleep in, food, good food and water. All you have to do is step out of line and deny him. They would never say the name Jesus, could not say the name Jesus. All you have to do is deny him. And he said, he started shaking. He said, I was shaking uncontrollably. And he said, and I said, I'm, I'm under my breath. I said, Jesus, I don't want to deny you, but I, I, I'm shaking so bad. I'm so scared. And he said, all of a sudden, he felt a hand lay on his shoulder. And he said, it just felt like, warm liquid oil just drained all over him and this warmth came over him he said and all fear was gone he said he stood in line there went up saw them cut the head off of the person in front of him he said they didn't have to hold the people down people willingly crawled up on top of this i guess you'd call it a platform 
and they would put their hands out, you know, splayed out like, like this. And then the, the way they cut their head off was in a shimitar, you know, these long curved swords. And he said, this guy had on a, uh, a black bag over his head and was cutting people's heads off. And he said, and the moment the blade came down and just touched my skin, I was gone. He said, I never felt anything. And then when I was out of the spirit, he says, I could look down. I could see my body. He said, but there was Jesus. He said, he took me by the hand. So when it says in verse 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed unto us. I want to say, brothers and sisters, <coughs> that it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. The question is not whether God can protect it, can provide for us. The question is whether he will. And that question is yes, as long as we are following in his footsteps, walking in the spirit, not after the flesh. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who subjected the same in hope. Because... The creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan with ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope. By hope that is seen is not hope, for what a man seeth, why doth ye, he yet hope for? But if ye hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we, knoweth, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself make its intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. What that saying is, if you ever reach the point to where you don't really know what to pray, it's just that you're all upset, things are not going right, then uh, what it's saying is let the Spirit make intercession for you and just speak in tongues. As a matter of fact, I would recommend if you've not spent an hour, at least an hour, just speaking in tongues, then you should do that. And also, if you don't speak in tongues, then you should come to the Spirit of Prophecy Church or you can come to one of our meetings and we will lay hands on you and anoint you with oil and you'll get filled with the Holy Spirit. And it is the greatest change of my life. Okay, anyway, go ahead. <clears throat> 27. And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Meaning, when we speak in tongues, that the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us and it sends, you might say, the perfect prayer to the throne. That's what it's saying. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Right? Wrong. That's not what it says. That's what a lot of people quote. But what does it say? Notice this is not a period. That's a comma. To them that are called 
according to his purpose. Now, what are the called? Some are called and a few are chosen. What's the difference between those that are called and those that are chosen? Michael Boldea was chosen. He didn't want to carry the warning of Dimitri Dudeman. He was, he was chosen to do it, and he was told he was chosen to do it. Now, I believe I was called to carry the same message. I didn't have to. Uh, I could quit if I want to, but I don't want to. I, I mean, he's called me. You know, the phone rang. I picked it up and said, hello. And he said, Stan, I want you to go do this. And I said, yes, sir. That's the difference between called and chosen. Now, let's go back and reread that. For we know that all things work together for good to those that are love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Now, is everyone called? I think that there in the kingdom of God, there is no bench. No one gets to sit down and do nothing. The talent of the pair of the of the tares says the one that has one tear. What's the one thing that we all get? That would be salvation. So the one that has one tear, just salvation, he has that one, excuse me, what has one, one talent. That one talent is taken from him that had the one and given to him that had the ten. Meaning everybody should be winning souls. Everybody should be serving the Lord someplace. However, a lot of those people that the, the Lord is asking to go to work, the phone's ringing, but they're not picking up the phone. If they picked up the phone, they said, no, I'm not going into the vineyard. So he says, we know that all things work together for good. Those that love God to him are called according to his purpose. That means that if we're called, we're walking, we're working, we're trying to do what he's called us to do, then yeah, some good things happen and some bad things happen. And those are the things that happen according to his purpose, meaning that he's making changes in us. If you'd like to, <clears throat> if you'd like to know if God will speak to you, if you really, really want to have God speak to you, I'm going to tell you the prayer. You pray this prayer, and I promise you, you will have God speak to you. Just say this. Just say, Lord, if there's anything you'd like for me to change, please speak to me about it. And then hold on, because you're about to be, you're about to go on a ride. You're about to find out, oh, yes, God talks. And yes, he, he certainly has some things he wants me to change. All right, let's go on. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Means, if your name is written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, then he is calling you. And like the angel in the red horse said to Dimitri, only those people whose names are written in the book of life will listen and repent. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed in the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among the brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he also justified, them he also glorified. Meaning, God is able. He doesn't call, how do I say this? He doesn't call the equipped. He equips the call. 
So when God says, go into my vineyard and work, you can't turn and say, oh, no, I'm not skilled enough to do that. What you do is click the heels, bow at the waist, salute and say, yes, sir. And then as you're going, he will give you the skills, and the abilities you need to do what he's called you to do. 31. So what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? That's a famous phrase. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That's a memory verse. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall we not? How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If we understand who we are in Jesus and who Jesus is, that's the reason he said, if you have faith a grain of mustard seed, you can tell a mountain to move over. And I guess I don't have that much faith because I've told a mountain to move over a few times. I've told, told a tree to move over a few times, but it didn't move over. But the point is we're supposed to be getting close to that as possible. For Verse 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Who is he that condemneth? Who is the righteous judge? I think it's uh, Matthew 5.22, I think, that says, The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment unto the Son. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that he is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. There's a scripture that says, and now is salvation come, and the kingdom of our God, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, who stood before God day and night, accusing the brethren. See, right now, the devil is still in heaven. He is accusing the brethren, standing before God day and night. But the day is going to come, in the middle of the tribulation, he is going to be cast down. When he's cast down, then there will be great voices of heaven saying, the kingdom of God the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ, and he shall reign forever. Now let's go on. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ, of the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what's he saying? He's saying that if you really see God with all your heart, you'll find him. The problem is in America these days, not enough people seeking God, simply not seeking him. They're not looking. Why? I don't need God. Got a good job, got a good house, got a good car. I got food, water, you know making lots of money, you know, my stock is doing well. You wouldn't believe some things I've heard. 
don't he, God? Consequently, God is about to shake. He's about to shake this old nation. There's about to be a bunch of fruit fall from the tree. But sad to say, tree's got to be shaken. But Jesus knows exactly how to shake it. Okay, so, Sean, I didn't see any private chat come up, so I guess... So I guess we can just close. Okay. All right. So <clears throat> I enjoyed the Bible study tonight. It's very challenging because it's not easy being a Christian, but it is better than the alternative. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. In other words, it's better than going the way of the devil. So. Let me pray a blessing on you. I, I want to also say that let me invite you to become part of Fast Track, which is a group of people that fast and pray for Prophecy Club to win all the souls that God has told us we're going to win. And also consider being part of Fast Gap. Fast Gap is a group of people that fast and pray for America. Fast Track is praying for Prophecy Club. Fast Gap is praying for America. And uh, the promise is I never send you any requests for donations or any product offers. You quit anytime you want to. We fast Tuesday evening midnight till Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. And you can join by going to Prophecy Club, slide to the bottom, and you can see where you can join either Fast Track or Fast Gap. Also, I want to invite you to join Prophecy Club. Jason Meeks had a dream and basically was told that if you want Prophecy Club to be there and survive through the trouble ahead, that is very important that everybody join it. And, at, and he was told in the dream that it should be $9.90. Yes, you can give more, but it needs to be on an automatic monthly payment. And you can do that by going to prophecyclub.com. And I don't know, you might be able to, you can slide down to one of the blue lines and click that here. Um, but we recommend you join on an automatic gift of $9.90 a month or more so that we have, I mean, what we're asking is everybody that follows Prophecy Club to join. Instead of just kind of, you know, visiting from time to time and picking a little of the fruit, what we're asking you to do is actually join and become a part of it because when you become a part of it, then you also share in the souls that God is going to give America. And as I said many times, the audible voice of God said that he's going to give me part of the harvest from the seeds sown by Billy Graham. You want to be a part of that. Lord, we ask you to speak to the hearts of the people and help them all to clean up, all of us, to clean up our life so that you can use us in the days ahead that sin will not be a prohibiting factor. Sin will not be a fence separating between us and you and your using us in the great miracles ahead, the soul winning ahead. Help us to be prepared in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Oh, I see that they put uh, a link out there. Just click on the where it says that link on your right side there, and you can join. 
become a member, $9.90 a month. That's not much. I mean, it's not much. We're supposed to be the light on the hill, taking the gospel to the world. Well, this puts feet to that. Anyway, God bless you. Thank you for watching, and I'm going to say goodbye.